Mama. A word that we all know, a word some of us hear a thousand times a day, and some are anxiously waiting for. It's a title accompanied by immense joy, deep loss, and hearty laughter. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Marin. We love mamas, and we love your strength and your sacrifice. We honor your easy days and the days where you hide in a closet. Because we have them, too. We know that moms need moms, and that's where we come in. And the best part is, you can show up in your messy buns and sweatpants, and we'll never know. In fact, we're probably in ours, too. We hear you, and we want to connect with you. This is your community. So welcome to our sisterhood. Welcome to our circle. Welcome Welcome to to the the mamahood. Hey, mamas. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm Aubrey, sitting here with my co-host, Marin, and we are so excited to have Lacey on our show today. Thank you so much for coming. You're the best to take time out of your day. Um, Lacey is amazing, and I'm so excited to dive into a little bit of history that I have with her. She's just one of those people that is just amazing, and I've known that since sixth grade, which we'll talk about in a second, but um, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and just where you're at in motherhood, just a little bit, a brief intro of yourself. Okay. I feel like these ones are hard and I don't know why it's, it's like the most simple thing, but, um, I am 30 years old. Probably don't want to know that. <laughs> um, you have three, is it three, three kids? Three I have three girls. girls. So my oldest just turned six and then three. So she's almost four. And then Olive is two my last two are 15 months apart the only one that we planned was the first one oh my gosh we only have one planned too you do okay i'm glad but we love all three yes yes Yes. (laughs) they are so cute our only planned one is our last one our girl (laughs) oh my gosh so Lacey's amazing i mean if you go to her instagram even like she's honestly the one of the most beautiful people go check out her hair makeup she skin everything she's just amazing and just so genuine yeah like like she's so you're just so beautiful inside and out um but we're gonna kind of dive into a little bit of her um just life and mission and how she's kind of become the person she is today you guys I just I just love Lacey so much so I'm just gonna dive into this a little bit because I think think it's so special about her back in I met Lacey back in the sixth grade this is the craziest thing and like, because we didn't talk for years and years, but, um, the very first time I met Lacey, I remember the teacher was like, okay, Lacey, I want you to come sit by Aubrey over here. And so I was kind of her buddy and I had no idea what Lacey was going through at the time at all. Like I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll be your friend. You know, I was just, I had no clue. Sixth grader. I had no idea. And Lacey came up from a really hard upbringing and I just, I had no idea. And so to see just what the struggles she has gone through throughout her entire life and to see how she is a mother now and today is unreal. And I kind of want to just talk a little bit about how she's chosen that for herself, a little bit about her background and whatever she's comfortable sharing with us today, because I think it's so, it's just so empowering, life-changing. I have the goosebumps thinking about her life because she is something special. So I'm so excited to just have her on the show today. I'm excited too. We're going to kind of dive into um, Lacey's background and breaking patterns in parenthood and how to overcome. Because I, I mean, we're, we're going to dive all in. But Lacey, do you mind kind of just start off and let our listeners in on your background and kind of what what all of this means to you and what your life has kind of looked like? Okay, so I grew up in... Uh, the oldest of four, I had one little brother and, and two little sisters. I was the only child with my biological father and my biological mother. And my bio dad just, you know, found out she was pregnant, stuck around for a second, and then, you know, he's out. Um, I lived with my bio mom and then my stepdad. She met him a few years later after I was born and they got married and then ended up having my little sister. But I lived with them until I was 10, and they chose the path of drugs, and I can remember just from being, from a little girl, just, just, just life seemed normal for me, but I could always, I always knew that the way that my life was, was not normal, just in the back of my head. It's something that I can't really explain, but I knew that it wasn't right. I remember, it's almost like a 
out-of-body experience, just sitting back and uh, seeing the way that my life was and, and, and feeling like it wasn't right. But I can remember from a young age, basically, I took care of my little siblings. My mom would be high all night, and she would just clean. And then she would crash during the day, so she'd be asleep. And then my step, my stepdad, he was a dealer, and so his customers were in and out constantly. And so we just kind of fended for our, ourselves, and they were there, but they weren't really there. Um, I was the one that fed them, took them to school, just from a young age. And you know what's funny is I was telling someone the other day, I look back, I look at my little girl now, my six-year-old, and I remember some of the things that I was going through, and I want to curl up in a ball and cry for the little me because it's awful. I can't imagine her going through those things. But looking back at it, it doesn't, it's hard to explain, but it doesn't feel uh, as monumental as it was in that moment, I guess you could say. Anyway, so then when I turned 10, I ended up meeting a girl who, who's now my sister and I met her family, and they kind of knew my background a little bit. They didn't know, they knew that my family life wasn't the best, and I ended up experiencing some sexual abuse from a customer, and um, I remember going to my mom and telling her, hey, this is what happened, and she said, oh, well, that's one of your dad's best customers, so I'm not sure what we'll do, but I'll talk to him, and I was like, okay, and I knew that I did not want my younger siblings going through that. So I tried to protect them as much as possible. But when I was 10, I ended up going through sexual abuse with um, my cousin's boyfriend. And I finally opened up to my now sister about it. And I said, this is what's going on. Don't tell anybody. And she said, okay. She ended up telling my adoptive parents. And they, my mom came to me. My adopted mom came to me and she said, um, this is what I heard. Is it true? And I told her yes. She said, well, we'd really like it if you'd come live with us. And I said, okay. You know, I'd li- I like that. Anyway, then we sat. they sat down with my biological mom and asked her about it. And she said that she was fine with it. At that time, she was so fried. She's just kind of out of the picture anyway. Yeah. So she just didn't really care. Half the time, they would drop us off at random people's houses that I didn't know. And then they'd show up a couple days later. And so that was our life. And if it... it felt normal that was normal for us and then um at the time that I moved in with the holidays who was my adoptive parents um my stepdad died at 31 of a drug overdose which is just wild to me because I turned 31 this month and thinking about that that age is just crazy just the end of your life happening now right Mm -hmm. it is nuts and then my my mom ended up going to jail and that was when the state had finally stepped in and they said okay we're done um they're all gonna be in state's care and because my situation was a little bit different my biological dad was in prison for incest and rape and I hadn't seen him in years and so they could I couldn't obviously go with him and my younger siblings were able to go with their grandma who was my step-grandma and so they went and lived with her, and then they told my the holidays, my adoptive family, if you want to keep her, then you have to go through the foster care um, training program. And they said, yes, we'll do it. So then I was technically in foster care from 10 to 18. And then we we I got adopted when I turned 18, and then I got married a week later. Wow. Crazy, huh? Yeah. Oh, I've been, like, holding my breath this whole time. Right. That is just amazing. I just feel like coming from such I mean that's just like not your traditional way of growing up like your Mm -mm. your perspective is just so different and so unique that I feel like I mean obviously there's a lot of people who have similar backgrounds of of trauma in their childhood Mm -hmm. and how do you feel like I mean what what has helped you kind of turn that into your own motherhood of how you want to be for your kids or how how has that helped you become the mom you are today Man, that's a loaded question, Aubrey. <laughs> that's a really great because question. Because I just feel like coming from, su- I mean, just the, the her whole story is 
is incredible. And it's so important that we don't carry on trauma from our childhood and pass it down. And there's all these different things that like I've been reading about and stuff Mm -hmm. because in very different ways I carry trauma from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking into ways to like they say you can you know, release that trauma and right. not pass it down to your kids and stuff. And there's all kinds of things and theories, but, um, you have to first start by recognizing the patterns and the traumas that you've experienced and then actively choosing not to pass it down. And, um, so how have you learned to recognize maybe certain patterns or traumas that have come to you from your upbringing and then not pass those on to your girls? Cause I just feel like so many people aren't successful at that and you have been, and mm-hmm. that's, I just feel like mm-hmm. so amazing. Or to carry so that, rare. so you know that you have turned it into a positive thing instead of negative. Right. The okay. So that I think you touched on a a very important thing, and that's choice. I one thing that my younger siblings have always said to me is, is oh well, you you don't understand because you have a really good family, and yes, that's true. My their grandma tried her hardest, but this is one thing that I've always said to them: I still had a choice. They gave me the tools to surpass what I've, I'd gone through, but I had to make that choice. There's still mm-hmm. a choice on my part. And that's one thing that my dad, my, my, not my bio, sorry, my adopted dad and I talk a lot about is he says, I will never take credit for how you are and what you've overcome. He said, I gave you the tools. You made the choice. I yeah. put in the work. Um, there was therapy. I had a couple years of therapy that was part of the foster care, um, thing. And that, that helped. I had a really good therapist, but I still had to make the choice. And you know what? The Lord is amazing. And I feel like he, he heals and people don't, I don't, I feel like people miss that. And I can really feel him working in my life and I feel like there are times where the past comes up and it's hard not to be frightened when my daughter wants to go to somebody else's house and to not Mm -hmm. let that take over and say oh well what if this happens and what if that happens and I just have to have faith I have to remember that fear is not of the Lord I have to have faith I can't always protect them but I know that if I do my best and I try to teach them then you know, the, the Lord will, will help. But the biggest thing that I'm, I'm trying to teach my children is that they have agency. My daughter always comes to me and she's like, yeah, well she did this or she said that. And I said, okay, but you still have a choice. Mm -hmm. You can overcome that or you can let it bog you down. And I think that's the biggest difference between my life and my siblings life. We both were given tools. Um, they've continued down that path and I haven't because I chose not to. I had a great example of what not to do, and I chose to overcome that and not follow that path. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I have kind of a question that came to my mind Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of um, different forms of parenting, whether that's um, like physical ways of parenting or verbal ways of parenting or whatever, Mm -hmm. are very learned. And sometimes we don't even realize that we carry these tendencies until we become a parent. That's a, yeah. Um, do you feel like you've had certain things come up since you've been a parent where you're like, oh, I didn't realize that that was a part of who I am. And now you've worked to change it or shift it in your parenting. Yeah, I the biggest one is quick to anger. That was something that I'd been shown. I'd been physically abused um, and I came to a point where I've learned that I need to walk away. Because the that quick to anger comes, and I think I need to walk away right now. Um, one thing I won't do either is spank my children because of because I was abused, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to follow that path. Just in case there's some type of trigger or something, I'm not saying it's never come about. But the biggest thing is the is I am quick to anger. And so I, I've had to learn tools where I'm just like, okay, I need to walk away. I need to calm down. Um, and then we can reassess. And that has been so helpful. One thing that Finley, and, uh, Finley will, has started, my oldest has started to say to me, she's like, mom, I'm mad. I'm walking away for a timeout. <laughs> and, and I will come back. And I say, okay. 
That's and good. Yeah. I'm like, oh, hallelujah. That's a win. She's, right. learned, she's right. learned that from right. you. Yeah. And I just, I am so afraid of following down those footsteps at all that I, I feel like I kind of go to the extreme other side um, where I'm just like, okay, I just need, I need a minute. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to try not to yell at you because I don't want to escalate. I hope I answered your question. Yeah, there. you did. Yeah, okay. That was great. Isn't she amazing? Oh, I just have like question. tears in my eyes. I just think you're just so, I just am so amazed by you. So many of our mamas come from abusive, traumatic, or otherwise tough backgrounds. And that's why I kind of wanted to, mm-hmm. or we kind of wanted to have you on because so many have like different experiences growing up. I mean, it could be anything from, I mean, this, the spectrum is huge, right? but I, you know, <clears throat> maybe some of them carry that same load every single day. So what advice do you have for coping with those experiences um, that we've been dealt and what's maybe worked for you. I know you're, you're choosing those, you're choosing to act how you are, but did you, do you do anything every day that, or once you became a mom, you started Mm -hmm. to do every day to kind of help you with that or what, what's maybe some advice you'd give to those moms? Okay. So this might not be something that everyone will do exercise. I'm sure you've seen it. That is my mental saving grace. I am such a better mom and wife. If I get that out of the way, Um, I do it Monday through Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. I don't work out and I kind of start to unravel. Obviously, what do you do for exercise? Maybe give us a sneak peek of that. Okay. (laughs) Um, I love weightlifting and I feel like females, women are afraid of it because they don't want to get too big, but it's almost impossible unless you're taking certain supplements or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I love I love weightlifting. That's awesome. Is a big thing. And then a lot of hit stuff. That's too. Um, But one thing I was going to say is that I know with my past, it's not something that I can, I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. I understand that I can't get away from it completely. And so I just try to work on um, things that will help me cope. My husband's been huge. He's very patient with me and he will sometimes say, hey, look. Um, I've noticed this or that, um, exercise and then meditation. I'll just sit and listen to scriptures on my iPhones or I, whatever you call them, AirPods. headphones, yeah. things, <laughs> um, or, and then getting up in the morning before my kids. It's a big one too. And I just having a those. few moments myself. Yeah. I feel like I could keep listening to all this advice. Like I'm like, check, I need to do that. <laughs> It makes the biggest difference and you can meditate in that time and, and just kind of collect. What do you, where did you start meditation stuff or what, if someone wants to start meditating, what's like the first place you tell, you would tell them to go look or, or to podcasts, honestly, the, um, there's meditation podcasts that you can find and I don't have like a set one. I just go through a bunch of different ones and they tell you how to breathe and I just follow those and it's wonderful because I don't have to think. It's not something that you have to know how to do. Mm-hmm. I just stick my headphones in, find a meditation podcast and go from there. That's and awesome. even if it's like I only have time for two minutes, then it makes the world a difference. That's amazing. I, I, I've I started to like get into that and I can totally see a difference too. I sure. used to think it was like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then I was like, or like really granola, right, but I'm like right. all about it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's made a big difference. So what you said earlier about, you know, looking at your um, little six-year-old girl and being able to remember what you were going through at that time of your life, like that really stuck <clears> with me just barely. So before we shift gears and go into the other part of your story, which mm-hmm. is really interesting, um, I just wonder, how do you feel, it's so hard sometimes to see the positive lessons from the trials in our life, but do you feel like what you've gone through as a little girl has... Um, enabled you to be more empathetic to your daughters as children yes and one thing I will say is I would never take it back I would go through it all over again if it brought me to where I'm at right now um it it has been a huge blessing in my life because I have I'm way more grateful for the little things I feel like I'm way more grateful for way more empathetic towards the trials that my my girls are going through and it's it's also been good for a learning lesson I feel like I 
feel like I, I, I can sit there and say, you know what, Finley? And she's just having a hard time. And say, there, I need you to understand something. That you, this is our mantra. You can do hard things. That's one thing I tell her all the time. Is you, you can do hard things, Finley. I know this is hard. But once you're on the other side of it, you'll be so grateful for this trial. And obviously, she just stares at me. And, mm. But I hope that... Oh, she's getting it. Yeah. I hope she's, so. She's oh hearing my gosh. You. I know she's hearing You're such you. a good mom. <laughs> Seriously. I gotta be honest. I've seen people post about this HelloFresh stuff. And I was so skeptical. And then we tried it and I am blown away. I am too. Like it is the best thing. And I don't know why we haven't signed up for it sooner. Yeah, I just told my husband that we, so we did our week of HelloFresh and I just told him, I want to do this every single week. I know. Why? Like it is worth every single penny. It is so simple. It makes cooking delicious meals at home a total reality, regardless of like how comfortable or confident you are in the kitchen. Seriously. Like I always want to cook these delicious gourmet meals and I'm just, I don't know how and I don't have the time and it just makes it possible. Yeah. So, because we love HelloFresh so much and because we love you guys so much, we actually reached out to them to see if we could get you guys a really awesome deal, and we did. So, just because you listen to this podcast, HelloFresh is giving you a free gift of 10 free meals, including free shipping, which is super a super amazing deal. So, you're going to go to HelloFresh.com slash MamaHood10 and enter code MamaHood10 to get 10 free meals plus free shipping. And I think it's genius, too. I had this thought when I was trying it out. Like, for moms who need just, like, instead of giving them dinners or whatever, I felt like it was so smart to just give them a week of HelloFresh because... Such a good idea. Yeah. Like, if they've just had a baby or just need extra help, I just... It's it's the coolest thing. You just get a bag and you get all the food that you need. It's the best especially for a girl like me who belongs on americans top worst cook what's that <laughs> show called <laughs> i don't even know the best part is hello fresh is super flexible so you can skip a week if you want to or you can change the delivery day and make it fit totally into your schedule you guys, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, and this deal seriously helps you get the most meal for your moolah. Yeah, I love that. So for 10 free meals, including free shipping, head to HelloFresh.com slash MamaHood10 for 10 free meals and free shipping. Guys, this is huge. Like, this is awesome. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, you have a really interesting part of your story that we really want to talk about today. You were a surrogate, mm -hmm. and um, it's not often that we have the opportunity to chat with someone who participated in that, and um, I'd be so grateful to have you share your experience with us, and I know that we've talked before about you kind of wanting to bring light to this right. topic that we don't really share much about right. on in platforms like this. So how did you decide to become a surrogate? What led to that decision? Oh my gosh, this was left field. It wasn't even anything that I had ever planned on. I've I've been able to talk to a lot of other surrogates and they've all, uh, one reoccurring theme is, "Oh, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to do that." It's not something that I had ever planned on or foresaw myself doing. But one night, we my husband and I, my baby was my youngest was 6 months old. We were sitting there and I was feeding her and he was scrolling Facebook and he goes, Huh. I'm like, what? And he goes, did you know Mac or sorry, did you know that Zach and Mandy were looking for a surrogate? And he said, no, these were friends of ours. So my husband worked with Zach and then they played soccer together. And that's how I got to know him and his wife. So we weren't super close, but we knew of each other. And he just scrolling Facebook saw that she had posted how they had had a surrogate and because of medical reasons it had fallen through and mm. they were looking for somebody else and they outlined we want someone who's done with kids and then somebody that we know that was what they had wanted and I'm sitting there and I was like mulling it over after and I, st I turned to him and I said well what would you think if we did it 
and he just kind of looked at me and he goes if that's what you want to do <laughs> and I was like text him and he just kind of stared at me and I said I'm serious AJ I'm like text Zach and ask him for details let's if this is something that feels right let's do it I want to know more details and so we text him right then and that's how it started that's such like I can't believe that you just made that decision like that. It just shows what like a genuinely like eager to help person you are and how selfless you Mm -hmm. are. Um, What was that process like getting going with that? And like, what were the next steps there? And how was it kind of figuring out that relationship and navigating that? So right after AJ texts Zach, Zach texts back and said that his wife, Mandy, would be contacting me in the morning to talk about it. And so the next day she said, hey, I'm going to send you a brief rough draft of what it entails through email. And so she sent it to me and just gave me kind of a, a breakdown of it. And she said, if this is something that looks OK to you, then we would like to go out to dinner and we can discuss it more. I said, sure. So I looked it over, talked to my husband about it, and then... I told AJ, I'm like, okay, first of all, let's pray about it. So we prayed and we both felt like it, we needed to go to dinner with them. So then we went to dinner with them. They broke everything down. And like I said, they'd already gone through half of the pro- or the beginning process with another surrogate. Um, and that didn't work out. So they're, they were very informative on it. And my biggest question with them was why? Because that was the biggest question. They already had a son and she was able to carry him. And she just told me how they had figured out that during after he come, he came early, 34 weeks, 34, 35 weeks, I want to say. And they had figured out that her uterus just and the ligaments could not hold a baby. And she has a lot of medical issues from that and a lot of pelvic issues. And she's in a lot of pain all the time. And they told her, Mandy, if you have another baby, you will be wheelchair bound. Wow. Isn't that like a heavy load? Yeah. And so she said, you know, then we looked into adoption. We looked into surrogacy and she knew a couple people that done surrogacy and which was amazing. And so Mandy said, here we are. So, but yeah, that was the process of it. You went to dinner with them. That was the reason she couldn't have babies anymore. And then... You just, once you, like, did you have to sign all those things? Like, you like just how does got the started? process yeah. even begin? So like, then after that, if you want to, after that, we went home and we prayed about it, told them that we wanted to move forward. So then the next process is, is legal paperwork. And that is the longest process. And there's little things in there that you wouldn't think about. Like, what if I'm pregnant with our baby and Mandy and Zach die in a car accident? then who does the baby go to? I The baby's not going to come to me, so who's the next person? Or if there's an emergency with them, who makes all of their um, medical decisions? Or what if we get in a car, if I get in a car accident and I'm brain dead, but I give them permission, basically I give them permission to keep me alive, to keep the baby alive. Mm-hmm. And then after that. Like all these things you wouldn't even think about. Right. Mm-hmm. Or um, they had a life insurance policy out on me so that if I ch- I died giving birth to their child that my family would be taken care of mm-hmm. just little things like that so legal takes a long time also if there's um things like compensation for child care compensation for you know if you need any clothing how does it work with insurance how does it work when you get to the hospital um just all of the little details and I'm they think of everything which is amazing um, and so that was the next step. And then after you get legal all squared away, then you have to go to the clinic and they put you on birth control to sync you up with the doctor schedule, which sounds so funny. But if you think about it, the doctor has all of these women that need to be implanted. And mm-hmm. so he wants them all on the same schedule so that he can just do it all at the same time. That's so crazy. Um, right. So then they got me on birth control and then they had to do ultrasounds to make sure that my uterus was doing what it was supposed to do. And this is where their last circuit wasn't able to get past. Mm-hmm. Um, they were ready to implant, but her the lining of her uterus just wouldn't 
get thick enough. Hmm. And then I had 10 weeks. You saw that picture. 10 weeks of shots. Those uh, progesterone shots. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They were awful. That was probably the worst part of the whole situation. What's like been the hardest part of this whole process? That's really, that's one of them, right? Yeah. (laughs) There's probably a few challenging parts for sure. Um, probably the progesterone shots and then obviously my recovery afterward. Mm. It's such a selfless Mm. act. Like I'm just sitting here with my jaw like on the floor because I already sit and think about like, man, what I went through to like have my three kids was so hard. Like they Mm -hmm. better be so grateful, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, you did it for someone else's kids and it's not easy pregnancy sucks sometimes so I'm just sitting here like how I think the looming question is um how how what was it like for you to go through this process of carrying a baby that's not your baby did you feel a connection to the baby did you um was that like an emotional mentally hard thing for you or what what was your mind where was your mind at during all that so this is a really good question, and it's a question that I get a lot. And I think the what most people are um, curious about. And I know when I had initially gone to my parents to tell them that we had made this decision, this is what we were going to do, my dad told me that he was not comfortable with it. He said, I'll support you in whatever you want to do, but I'm not comfortable with this. And he was really oh, worried so about me. Yeah. Just emotionally. And and looking back, I remember at first I was I was kind of it hurt a little bit and I was like, Why don't you trust me? But it wasn't that. Now I didn't even a, think about that. Like having right. your your own family have right. an opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had to na- navigate that. But one thing about my dad is that he is very supportive. Um and he's just he was just worried about me emotionally. I would say th- my preparation was key. I knew going into it that this was not my baby. I couldn't treat it like it was my baby. This was completely different. And I just kept Mandy and Zach in the back of my mind the whole time. And they were involved in the entire process. Mandy came to all of the appointments. Every She, she laughs and she's like, it was almost like I was the husband in the situation. Mm. She, she mm-hmm. would text me every day, how you doing? You know, and we had to be very open with each other. And there was a moment where the scary blood, I had that spotting in the first trimester. And it was hard because we had come so far and we felt like Mandy, she kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. She said to me, because she's like, it's just been perfect. And mm-hmm. then when I started spotting, she's like, this is, she was preparing herself for us losing a baby. Um, but we didn't. But the biggest thing is, I would say, is mentally preparing and just knowing that it wasn't my baby. And I, my family felt complete. It really did. I was so overwhelmed at home that I'm like, please take your baby. I don't <laughs> want to take your baby home. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I, I'm overrun in my own house mm-hmm. um so there was no connection at all like ever yes there was but it felt more like I don't know if you've ever had a best friend or a niece or yeah. sorry a sister that you've been really close to and you've been there for every step of their pregnancy that's almost what it felt like so when my my kids would feel the baby move and that was one question I'd get to from families what are you going to tell your kids yeah we're very open mm-hmm. from the beginning this is Mandy and Zach's baby we're just helping to get her here and so my daughter would always say oh is Mandy's baby moving oh, wow. and she would fill my tummy and so just having that open thing with yeah with them and and knowing that it wasn't our baby but she would move and I would get excited to tell Mandy yeah I wouldn't get excited for me um but I would get excited for to tell her all of the things. And the other thing, too, is I prayed every day that the Lord would make me equal to the task. Um, I didn't go into it blind thinking, oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. I'm not going to have any attachment. I knew that there would be some. Yeah, How yeah. could it not be? Yeah. But it's so hard to explain. I very much know that he made me equal to that task. And 
he made it easy on me. Honestly, I I look at her now and it is very much like a, a favorite niece or my best friend's baby. There's a mm-hmm. connection there. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel sad walking away from her. Yeah. Or if Mandy walked out of my life now and I never got to see her again, I would be okay. Wow. Are you involved? Because I know you said like beforehand you you knew them, but you guys weren't like super close or anything like that. You weren't like best friends. But now because of this experience, are you more involved with their life? Are you more involved in what's going on with the baby and everything? Very much. Mandy's so cute. She, she Every time Lydia has a new milestone or something, she texts me. Because she's so excited. She's like, to share it with me. We were just at their house last weekend playing games. Oh, and she's already getting so big. Yes, she's huge. <laughs> I'm like, what are you feeding her? I love her. She's so cute. But Mandy, I had this discussion with her. I said, sitting here now with Lydia, I definitely feel like there's a connection. Because she has her son, Jack. More so with Lydia than Jack. Yeah. But I'm... She's your baby. I'm I'm okay walking away from her. And she said to me, she said she got emotional, which made me emotional. She's so cute. I just feel like she is the neatest person. But she said to me that she's like, I almost want, I want Lydia to know who you are. I want Lydia to know why she's here. Who helped her get her here? She, she said, I would be so sad if she grew up not knowing who you were. Um, she goes, I almost want it to be like you're her godmother type of relationship. And that means so much to me that she trusts me and loves me enough to yeah. allow me to be a part yeah. of her daughter's life because that could be a very insecure moment, mm-hmm. you know, where somebody else got that relationship with her, mm-hmm. with your child that you didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause you've been feeling her for nine months, you know, like right. you've been through the whole process mm-hmm. with her. Was, I'm curious, was her, was her birth similar to your other th- three girls like did you do did no. you deliver her the same way as your others um we did deliver her vaginally and did they have a say in kind of like we want you to get an epidural we don't want you to get induced or anything like that or were you able to make the decisions They did. Have- one thing I loved about Mandy and Zach is that they understood that it was their baby my body my life came before the babies so when it came down to that decision it was it was mine as far as like in the legal paperwork, I want to say that that was up to that was up to me, and anything that didn't endanger their baby was up to me. But Mandy and Zach also were very good about making sure that it was understood that it was my body. I got to make those choices. If I didn't want an epidural, they would be fine with it as long as it didn't endanger the baby. Mm-hmm. So you're right; it's a very fine line, yeah, yeah, um, that you're trying to walk, and that it can get. It can kind of get muddled and a little bit confusing, but I feel like they were very respectful of me and I was very respectful of them. So Mandy said, whatever you want to do, whatever you're comfortable with. I didn't want a C-section, but if it put the baby's life in danger, then I was willing to do that. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing walking into this, too, is like you have to understand that there is another set of people that has to have some part of the decision making. Mm-hmm. This isn't just you and your husband. Totally. And so that's where it. Um, I feel like some people might butt heads, or it might, there might have, there might be tension that's raised. But were they there during your delivery too? They were. That's so cool. Yeah. So How was that? And what? Yeah. And I'm just want to know, like, did you go into labor we're just on your, your brain? Oh, right. Really no, I'm yeah. Like, tell what? us a little bit about the birth story with it. Okay, so she, it's the weirdest thing. As far as, like you said, um, or asked, was it like my other, no, it wasn't. My body reacted the same, I feel like, but the baby was different. The DNA is different, and I don't know why, but it did make things different. Um, I could, I feel like after three kids, or even after two kids, my third one, I could kind of anticipate what you was know, gonna happen. right? Yeah. But with this little baby, she threw us off. We went in. I want to say it was like thirty-eight and a half weeks with false labor. I had been counting those contractions for an hour, and they were three to five minutes apart. And I knew contractions, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. But we went in, and they're like, "Yeah, no, you haven't progressed in an hour." And they were so pumped. We were so pumped to be ready. And then 
she didn't come. So then we had to make the decision on being induced or letting it go. And like I said, it's still like there you've got four people involved now instead of just two. Yeah. They ha- their little boy's birthday is January 10th. And that was right when I was 39 weeks. It was January 10th. Wow. So they were trying to decide did they want their babies or their two kids to have the same birthday or did they want to push it out? And then Mandy had to think about, well, Lacey's uncomfortable. Does she want to be induced now or do we wait? And so initially our first decision was we were going to do it five days after and I was fine with that I told them that I'd be fine with that and then our last appointment sitting down with the doctor she asked and we were going over the doctor's schedule and Mandy looked at me and she goes what do you think and I said whatever you're comfortable with Mandy I'm like "Uh, yeah I'm ready I'm ready to get her out but whatever you're comfortable with and then she went home and talked to her husband they prayed about it and she came back and she said I really think that we should induce you on the 10th. Um, Do you and AJ want to pray about it and let me know? And I said, yeah, that's fine. So we did and we all felt like it was a good date. Now looking at the birth, we very strongly feel there was a reason why. Really? Mm -hmm. Just how everything led up to it. I'm not one that believes in coincidences. Mm -hmm. I I strongly feel like the right people were there. You know, at the right time. Yeah, that's amazing. So you had a really scary experience with this birth. You almost died, didn't you? Almost cardiac arrest, yeah. Yeah. Um, Go into that a little bit and just, I mean, it adds a whole other layer knowing that that your life was almost given in such a selfless situation. Mm -hmm. I mean, how did that play out and what, um, what was the aftermath of that like too? So, the, and that's why I said that we strong, I strongly feel that they, we were led to pick that day for a reason. It, initially, Mandy really didn't want her kids to have the same birthday. She felt really bad, and she was very set on not having that happen. But then after, you know, time went on, and, and then she just, she got that impression that that should be the day that we, we went in to be induced. So... We were sub- we were scheduled to go in, or we were scheduled for induction that day, and this was the first time that I had had a scheduled induction, and so I didn't really know how the process worked, but they told us that they would call us in the morning and then let us know, but plan on going at 6 in the morning. So everybody's ready to go, we were ready to go, or up and ready to go, and I got a call from the hospital, and they call me. They don't call Mandy because of HIPAA reasons. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard, a hard aspect for the mother, too, is that she's not first point of contact. Mm-hmm. But they called me and said, we've had some nurses call in sick. We're short-staffed. So if you don't hear from us by 10, then we'll then call us. And they said, okay. So at this point in time, we were thinking it might not happen that day and everybody was pumped and ready to go and so it was a little frustrating but then we last minute got the call that they had had some nurses able to come in so come in and that's why that's why we feel like it was delayed because if they were short-staffed and they let us come in anyway it would have been a whole different ball game Mm -hmm. but so we went in got induced the induction was slow I couldn't tell you why but then we hit like I want to say four o'clock and my body just taken off and I'd gotten an epidural everything was moving smoothly Zach and Mandy were in the room with us the whole time and the plan was to have Zach in there which I which I was fine with and I knew from the beginning that that would be a thing he was very respectful about about the situation and you know but anyway, so oh, how like selfless would you feel to like watch a birth that someone else is doing for you and your husband? Like I bet that I'm watching him go from through their that. perspective. Yeah. yeah, like to have him see you. Like I mean, birth's just unreal anyway. But mm-hmm. to watch that be for you, I mean, right. how selfless? Like how amazing would that be right. on their end to watch you do that? You know, mm-hmm. and then well. go through something so scary. Yeah. Okay. So keep going. Sorry. So when we I forgot to mention when we first got there. They put us in a room and they were trying to get the computer up and running and it wasn't up and running and they couldn't figure it out. So they ended up moving us to the next room 
And there's a reason why. The birth went so fast. And she just, I mean, they basically walk out after the first one, you know. And so she came out and they had the little, I don't know what you call it. It's like an incubator Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. right next to the bed. And they, they put Lydia in that and then Mandy was able to cut the cord. And Zach was over our shoulder filming and... Then right after they cut the cord, they wheeled them into the room with the computer that wasn't working rather than keeping them in that room. And now looking back, we're we're grateful because they were able to work on me when everything happened. So Mandy gave me a quick hug. She was crying, walking out the, the room. The nurses were crying. The doctor was crying. We were all crying. My husband was crying. And he said to me later, he's like, I got more emotional at that birth and any of our children and the the spirit was very palpable and it I just in that moment I just felt like I don't know if it's like something that Mary would feel like but I just felt so complete like I had done my job and it was the most amazing feeling I was not devastated that they didn't put her on me um I was not it, it like she came out and and they wheeled her out and I was okay and I was just like I almost like I like fist bumped the air and I was like yes we did it you know I felt so accomplished but then so then we're laying there or I'm laying there and we're talking the nurses and and the doctor and and they're trying to get my placenta to deliver and I was talking to AG and I overheard the doctor and she's like oh thing thing she said it it fell apart. That's what mine did, like exploded inside of you. Yes. What's it called? What's the word? A placental abruption. And I had read stories of that happening. And so my mind automatically is like, I know this isn't good. But still just like, okay. And she's, you know, trying to get out and she's talking out loud. And she's like, this, I, she's like, I just feel like there's still more up there. And... I look over at my husband and he's just kind of standing there and I, I'm like, I, I, so then I start praying. I'm like, please let this be okay. Cause my mind is wandering to that place. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole time she's talking to the nurse and she's like trying to get it out and, and, and they go in you like up to their elbows. Like yes, it's crazy. Yes. <laughs> and she, and she's like, there's a lot of blood. She kept saying, there's, oh, there's a lot of blood coming. And she says to her, she starts telling her nurse to call extra staff in, extra nurses. And so I hear the nurse on the the radio start calling, you know, looking for people. And then um, I remember just laying there and my heart just starts pounding. And I was like, I need to calm down because I know that if my heart's pounding, then that's just going to push more blood through my body mm-hmm. and I need to just relax. And my husband starts pacing. He can tell something's not right and he starts pacing. And that's when I'm like, okay, I know this isn't good because it's not, You, it was just escalating. You could tell it was escalating. Mm-hmm. And then she, the doctor, she kept talking to the nurse, um, asking her for things. And then she says, she looks around, she goes, where is everybody? And the nurse is like, I don't know. I called for them. And she goes, she goes, call for them again. And, and she's still working on me. She's, and she's massaging my abdomen. And she goes, I just, there's still some left in there. I can't get it out. And I, her tone, the tone of her voice starts to get escalated. And she turns to her. She goes, tell them to hurry. And just very serious. And I laid back and I looked up at the lights. And I, I was just praying. And I was like, do, do not let me die here. After I did what I just did. Please don't take me from my family. Especially my husband. And I told her, I remember telling her, I'm like, I am getting really lightheaded. And I know she heard me, but she didn't say anything. And then next thing I know, I just see all these people come rushing in. And right then um, my hands started getting numb. My feet were numb. I couldn't feel them. 
my hand started getting numb and there's a nurse on my left side trying to get a vein and she goes her veins are collapsing Mm. and she said okay then use her use her legs use her feet is what the doctor said and there's a guy that was standing right next to my head and I I told him I'm like I can't I'm having a hard time breathing I just felt like there was a brick on my chest and the whole time like I'm just I can feel the numbness coming from my hands all the way up my arms and then I was trying to keep my I was fighting to keep my eyes open because I thought to myself if I close my eyes I'm never gonna wake up and I could see my husband he had moved down behind the doctor and he's standing in the corner he's just staring at me and I wanted to say something to him but I couldn't because I was so out of it and and I was staring at the lights and next thing I knew my eyes were closed and um when I came to I instantly felt like I needed to throw up and I hear the guy next to my head and he says to the doctor he said her blood pressure's rising um and I told him I said I feel like I need to throw up and so anyway they gave me a bag and it slowly went away but she's barking out she, I could hear her saying telling people you know and they were packing my IVs full of all whatever they they do and she starts talking to me and she goes oh and they had I forgot to mention that they had ultrasound on my abdomen trying to find that piece that was stuck and she's the doctor Dr. Ponder starts talking to me and she says I think we got it all out I just went and scraped it I used ultrasound um and and then yeah she says she said I, I I'm confident that we've gotten all out the blood the the blood is slowing so I think we're okay and the doctor near my head was telling her my stats and from what I could hear everything was getting better and I was slow I could start to feel blood flowing back into my arms they're still numb and um and that I had the urge to throw up less but anyway so the and then she starts talking to me telling me what was happened and and everything like that but um she said to me she said we just had 30 of the best doctors and nurses in this hospital in your room she goes I'm confident that you're okay she says but that was really scary there for a minute oh my god and mandy and zach and the baby were in the next room they had no idea what was going on no idea which i'm so grateful for because i wanted them to be enjoying their baby but um mandy later told me that their their nurse had been another nurse came in and and said that they had a some code i don't know and she she tells Mandy and Zach, she goes, just make sure she's still breathing and runs out. And Mandy's like, we're thinking, what just happened? Oh, my God. Because they hadn't taken them up to the mother and baby unit yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea why that they had called. Them, but they called every available nurse on that floor out into my room. Oh, my God. To yeah it I was not even imagine it was wild and I afterward I was so cold and I just shook but I remember oh I remember right before she told me that they had grabbed the bag of blood and they were weighing it and she told me how many or I heard her say how much and we la- later googled but it was like three pints of blood or something and you have four in your body Oh my god! Isn't that wild? Yes. So, like, did you have to get a blood transfusion and everything? No. We watched my blood levels. Um, I want to say that was part of the miracle. My recovery should have been way worse than it was. To be honest, I still, I still, ha- it was still not great. But, um, I they wouldn't allow me to get out of bed by myself. I always had to have someone because I was really dizzy be- mm-hmm. because of the lack of blood. Um, for all those days that I was there, but I bounced back way fast. Dr. Ponder told me later, she goes, you bounce back way faster than anyone I've seen that's gone through that. And I want, and that to me is a firm testament of the Lord's working miracles. He didn't stop. He couldn't stop the hemorrhage. He couldn't stop the events, but, um, his hand was very much in my life in those moments. Wow. You're amazing. I know, me and Mary are just over here 
the tears story. In her eyes and I mean, jaws it's just on like it's one thing to hear about a birth that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, a mom going through that on sacrifice of her child that already gets me so emotional. But right. the fact you were doing it on behalf of another family is so honorable and. I just feel so lucky to know you Thanks, and to have you as a friend. You're so sweet. What um, What is your big takeaway from this whole experience, and would you do it again? I would not do it again. I am so grateful I did it. <laughs> Especially after that, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have another birth for myself because of that, but... Would you recommend surrogacy, though, to other people, like, oh, overall? Oh, 100%. But I would also say to have that in the back of your mind, because you always think when you go into a situation, oh, that'll never happen to me, especially after I had had three normal births. Why would I mm-hmm. think that, yeah. you know, I know anything can happen at any time, but um, I feel like going into the situation, I knew it was a possibility, but I, there was no way in my, yeah. in my head. So my biggest thing would be make sure that you're done with kids. Because that is a possibility. And I've had a brief moment where I feel like I've kind of been able to um, relate with Mandy a little bit. Because Dr. Ponder told me, she said, what's your plan after this? Because we were talking about birth control. And I said, I think I'm pretty sure we're done with having kids, especially after that. And she laughed and she said, I would highly suggest that you be done. Wow. Yeah. She said, you probably should not have any more children. And I know you hear about people all the time who have bad hemorrhages and they're fine afterward. So I know that that's also a possibility as well. But um, I also have to think, too, about my own children that are here and I wouldn't ever want to leave them. But I've I've taught I've been I've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of other um, potential surrogates and a few of them who have plans of continuing their family afterward and I feel like I've been a huge advocate for this situation and just saying hey look really think about that because how would it make you feel it is a sacrifice huge sacrifice for your own family but like you said for Mm -hmm. somebody else and how would you feel if you weren't absolutely done I think that you'd have a little bit of resentment Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. and you'd be wondering Mm -hmm. why you know what I mean and like I said I absolutely do not regret it I am so grateful that I did it and seeing uh, Zach and Mandy and Lydia and their family together it was well worth it but um I wouldn't I wouldn't do it again wow your story I'm just like this it's is amazing. so inspirational. Yeah. It's going to be one of those. Ep- I, I've been here on the edge of my seat, so I know when the moms <laughs> listen to it, they're going to be the same way. Um, we're so glad that you came. Thank and you. on a, we'll end on a little lighter note. We always, you probably know this, We every episode we do like a win or a fail mm-hmm. from the week where we share either a really awesome motherhood win or maybe like a funny fail that fail. we can laugh at now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can you think of an awesome win or a funny fail or something that you've experienced lately in your motherhood? Either or or both, whatever. Yeah, I might have to take a minute because there's so many fails and wins that I'm like, they all kind of mud <laughs> together, you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. My mom win this week would honestly be that my littlest one was not naked all of the time. <laughs> Hey, I, I don't that. Oh my gosh, I don't know what the, what is wrong. What I don't get I know, it. But I know she like walks out. We'll be outside, and she walks out without pants on. She's like, yeah. "Hey," I'm like, "No." And it was funny because I was talking to my neighbor, and I'm like, "I'm so sorry. I really try hard. I'm always putting but pants like, on." It's her. a lot of effort yes. to keep them dressed oh my and gosh. shoes on, like shoes and the worst. Right? Hat. Yeah. Oh. I just don't even care. About. I'm like, if they have <laughs> underwear on, <laughs> then we're good. But she's like, "Oh, my kids never did that." And I was like, what? Oh, well, well, shoot. Okay. <laughs> well, good for I'm you. So glad. Right, right. I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, and then. That's a win. That is a win. Um, And then mom fail would be that. I don't. I think this is just a family fail in general. But. Our house is still under construction right now, so we ha- we're down to one bathroom. The other bathroom is getting refinished, and so in case several of them need to go to the bathroom at the same time, my littlest one, I've got her little potty on the floor, and she walk 
she goes to the bathroom and she's supposed to tell me if she does. Well, she didn't. And the next thing I know, my dog's eating her poop. Oh, Oh, no. no. Yeah. I'm like, really? Did your dog get sick? No. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) I know. She's old and senile, but I'm like, so I would say... That would oh, be man. my mom fail. The fails always end up with something poop. I oh, swear. the poop oh, is the I, know. Yeah. I would love to add up how many times our fails have had something I to do with poop. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, tell our listeners where they can find you online. Okay, and so connect with you. I just started my YouTube channel for all of my um, hair tutorials. I'm I just that. getting that up and running. So I think I've got one video on there. So that's. Um, under construction but the link is in my bio on Instagram so Instagram it's at great skin on rainwater lane and then Facebook is just Lacey Swenson so they can find me there and hopefully YouTube soon that's awesome. awesome well thank you for coming and like seriously thank you so much for being willing to share of course. all of these really vulnerable things and we know that it takes courage to open up to a large audience about things that are so personal to you and we know it's going to help lots of moms so thank well you. and that's the biggest part of my the way I grew up and why I don't regret it if I can make a difference in one person's life then it will all be worth it you're amazing Liz. Thanks, thanks for being on our show yeah today. thanks for having me guys <laughs>